If you want 2024 to be your best running year, it is essential you have a customized training plan tailored to your race schedule and ability level. That's why I'm pumped to have Motive sponsoring the podcast. You can use the app for free, but if you want two months of premium access, you can use code SMARTER2. Sign up at mymotive.com. The link will be in the show notes. On today's episode, should you change your foot strike pattern? A paper from Joseph Hamill and Alison Gruber. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I am a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. this underway welcome back i hope you enjoyed the last couple of episodes which was q a answered uh well asked by my sister zoe and <laughs> i have got some feedback from her she's very happy with the episodes very happy with the answers and she has a lot of takeaways to build into her running uh structure now so that's great uh what i i think i haven't talked about this for a while and some of you are probably wondering what is up with my foot um, because I have been trying to manage it for quite a while now. Um, it's getting better. I won't give too much away because I am going to do an episode on foot pain, mid-foot pain in a couple of weeks. And I'll bring you up to date with my story on how that rehab is going, what's actually going on. And I'll have a guest on as well to talk about foot pain. So um, if you're tuning in and listening to these episodes and looking for an update. Uh, that's, I guess, the update. The other thing I am going to start doing over the next month or two is releasing some success stories. And I wasn't sure whether it would be a good idea. I wasn't too sure how many episodes to release, whether we just want to do a few, whether we want to do a lot. And so what I usually do when I am... Uh, need a bit of guidance is I ask my patrons and they were wrapped with the idea and suggested potentially doing a whole another month as a theme. So that would be like eight episodes again of listening to all these success stories of I was trying, I'm going to start looking for people who have had an injury for hopefully a couple of years and then have managed to turn a corner and actually overcome it and help encourage a lot of people who might be going through similar situations and so they love the idea. I will, seems like I will do a fair few depending on how many success stories I can find, but I might do it every once a week and have the second episode a week being an interview or a solo episode like this or something other than that. So if you're not necessarily wanting to hear a lot of success stories or maybe it gets a bit too repetitive or maybe you're just looking to 
um, learn other information, we do have the other weekly episode coming out. And so hopefully once a week we have a success story and then we have another interview or solo episode and we can just learn off that. And hopefully that's a good balance for you and you can choose what you want to listen to. So keep an eye out for that. Um, I will also, I think in the next couple of months, I did propose this to the patrons whether they wanted to start doing one episode a month or so being actually doing a Facebook live. I have seen, and I do listen to a lot of podcasts that do a Facebook live at the same time when they record their episode, either via interview or doing a solo one. And the Facebook members have a good opportunity to comment and interact. And I thought that would be a good idea. Maybe to do once a month and just exclusive for the patrons. So keep an eye out for that because if I do that then on this feed that you're listening if you're not a patron you'll still get the recording and it might maybe it is a a benefit that might um, lead you to become a patron so patrons sign up for five dollars a month we're having a great time where like I said they're they're leading the way and whenever I'm um, indecisive on the direction the podcast takes they do an amazing job of helping me out and I keep following their advice because they are very passionate listeners. <laughs> Today we have a study. Uh, I wanted to go through this paper specifically because yesterday I was um, I stumbled upon it and created a social media post around what is the best foot strike, and it had a lot of useful content. And I thought I would dive deeper into it and turn it into a podcast episode. It does seem to be extremely value packed. It does. It, it doesn't sound too science heavy, and I'll try and try my best to like read it and describe it without being too scientific. But it does tell a bit of a story, and it does relay a lot of really useful information. Keep in mind, this is just one study. It does refer a whole bunch of other studies within it, but um, don't just take it as the answer. Just know that it is just one one paper. And I did do another article reading in the past, which received a lot of positive feedback. It was back in episode 73, and the title was Which Strength Training Method Will Improve My Running Performance? And I just went through the study of going through different, um, from memory, there was three different um, groups that went through three different type of strength-based work and then uh, looked at their running performance afterwards. Uh, From memory, there was a body weight one, like an endurance-based strength work. There was strength with heavy weights. And then there was the third group, which was identical strength work, but also incorporating some power-based exercises. And then the study looked at who performed better with in terms of endurance running. So really interesting, got received a lot of positive feedback. So I thought I'd do something again similar with this episode. Um, if you haven't had a listen to that episode 73, you can go back and listen to that one. But let's dive into this paper. As I said at the start, the authors were Joseph Hamill and Alison Gruber, and the title is, Is Changing Foot Strike Pattern Beneficial to Runners? And I'm just going to read a little bit of the abstract because it tells a little bit of a story. Some researchers, running instructors, and coaches have suggested that the optimal foot strike pattern to improve performance and reduce running injuries is land is to land using the midfoot. So either the midfoot or the forefoot. So contacting 
I guess without the heel. And thus, it has been recommended that runners who use a rear foot strike, e.g. heel strike, would benefit by changing their foot strike, although there is little scientific evidence to suggest such a change. The heel strike is clearly more prevalent. The major reasons often given for changing to a midfoot or forefoot strike are 1. It's more economical. 2. There is a reduction in the impact peak of the, uh, the peak loading rate of the vertical component of the ground reaction force. So just um, to put into layman's terms, the force generated when you hit the ground is um, more displaced. There's not as much of a peak and you're contacting the ground a little bit softer, you could say, um, generating less ground reaction force. That's the second one. And number three, there is a reduction in the risk of running related injuries. So they're the three kind of rationale or reasons why people um, propose changing to a four-foot strike. In this paper, we we critique the three suggestions and provide alternate examples that may provide contradictory evidence for altering one's foot strike pattern. So that's the abstract, and I'll go through now throughout the rest of this episode those three, I guess, points that they want to try and um, allude to or try and describe. So the first one being that changing your foot strike pattern changes the economy, makes you more efficient. when we talk about running economy, I think I described this a few episodes ago, but your running economy is how efficient you are at utilizing oxygen running at a certain speed. And if you are any part of endurance events, you want to become as economical as you can because you want to, I guess, utilize the oxygen as much as you can. You want to utilize a lower amount of oxygen at a certain speed and just operate uh, more efficiently. And so let's dive into what this study says around its change in economy. Several studies have observed that the top finishers of short, middle, and long distance events tended to use a midfoot or a forefoot strike pattern. Similar findings from earlier studies speculated that a midfoot or a forefoot strike increases the effective storage and release of elastic energy compared to a rear foot or heel striker and has led some to suggest that it is more economical to run with either a midfoot or a forefoot. So that's kind of how that theory um, proposed itself uh, throughout history. However, several studies, each with a small sample size, so we need to take it, um, take that into consideration, each with a small sample size and thus lower statistical power, directly compared running economy between rear foot and forefoot strike and reported no statistically significant differences in intra-subject objective, uh, oxygen consumption. So when we say intra-subject, they've got the same runner to change uh, to be a heel striker and be a forefoot striker and notice that there was no difference. And this is totally different to say um, getting a group of runners, say we observe 100 runners who are naturally heel strikers and naturally forefoot strikers and see what their consumption is like. This one says if we were to look at the same runner running at the exact same um, habits that they have, except we change one thing, we change them running on 
against their heel and we change uh, or we have a look at them running with their forefoot they've reported no statistically significant difference in their oxygen consumption or their running economy you aren't a template so your training shouldn't be either the motive app takes training plans written by the best coaches in the world then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule abilities and goals It's such a good idea, which is why it is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world and has thousands of age group athletes signing up every month with a near perfect 4.9 star rating. It will even plan triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, and other events if you're branching away from running races. You can use the app for free for as long as you want, with the premium access being just $19.99 per month. But if you use code SMARTER2, you can get two months of full premium access. Sign up through their website, mymotive.com, and make 2024 your best year yet. In other studies, Ardigo and colleagues reported no difference in oxygen uptake or internal mechanical work between a group of habitual rear foot runners using a rear foot and forefoot strike pattern. So they've looked at runners who are naturally heel strikers and then observe them as they're heel striking and then observe them as forefoot striking and they found no difference in oxygen uptake or internal work done. So very similar to what I just described before. These results were supported by later studies also showing no difference in running economy between rear foot and forefoot strike patterns. So we're looking at several studies coming in. I think they all have relatively low sample sizes but um, starting to at least question that original theory of midfoot strike being the most economical. Recent studies have reported that there was no difference in the net mass normalized oxygen consumption or the net metabolic rate between midfoot or forefoot runners versus rearfoot runners performing with their habitual uh, foot strike pattern at sub maximal running speeds, so very similar. Gruber, so this is um, another study that Alison Gruber has done, investigated running economy when rear foot and forefoot runners were asked to run at different strike patterns. So if you were to get someone to change their natural running technique, what happens? And they observed that when the participants were asked to run with their non-habitual foot strike, the habitual rear foot group experienced a significant increase in the oxygen consumption but there was no statistically significant differences or changes in in oxygen consumption in the rear foot in the habitual forefoot group so what we're seeing here is if you had 10 forefoot runners and you told them to try and run and heel strike their oxygen consumption would stay relatively the same If you had a whole bunch of heel strikers and you told them, okay, let's start trying to run on our forefoot uh, because that's more economical. This study actually shows that their um, oxygen consumption increases when they try and run on their forefoot. So quite the opposite of what the proposed theory suggests. So given that performing a new running form or new running style typically increases oxygen consumption, before habituation, it would be suspected that participants would perform better with their habitual running pattern. So they've added here, in the rear foot group, 
performing a four-foot strike. So those who are habitually heel runners and they change to a four-foot strike, the increased oxygen consumption to a large enough degree that habituation would not eventually result in forefoot running becoming more economical. Therefore, the assumption that rear foot runners would improve their performance by changing their foot strike either immediately or after training uh, has no foundation. There's no evidence to support that theory. So if I was to take away three points of this and keep in mind this is one study, keep in mind they're referring to smaller statistical studies. Um, The three points I'd take away is that one, heel strikers are just as economical as forefoot strikers. Two, if you try and change your technique from a heel strike to a forefoot strike, it will most likely operate less economically. And three, there isn't enough evidence to support the benefits from changing to a forefoot strike and persisting through the training until it becomes more habitual. So we do like, uh, just thinking on my feet, if I was to change from a heel strike to a forefoot strike, because you're doing something different, you're obviously gonna be less optimal in that running technique. But if you persist and train in that way so that it becomes more economical, the benefits still don't really weigh up and it's probably not worth going through that training phase. So there are the three points that I kind of, summarized or that has kind of jumped out at me when I read that part. So that's when we talk about changes in economy. Let's dive into the second part, which uh, is probably a little bit harder to communicate through an audio-based platform, but I'll give it my best shot. They're looking at the changes in the ground reaction force or the impact peak, changes in the impact peak. And Uh, The study goes on to say, in a plot graph of the ground reaction force against time, so versus time on the time scale, for a rear foot heel striker, there is a distinct first peak referred to as the impact peak. And later in the ground contact phase, there is a second peak referred to as the active peak. And I tried, when I was writing this down, preparing for this, tried to think of a good example just to visualize. And the best shape I could come up with was a snail <laughs> with like a vertical like antenna. So if when the heel first touches the ground as a heel striker, you get this massive spike in the ground reaction force, which would be like the snail's antenna followed by this second more spread out active peak, which can be like the snail shell. If you can kind of imagine that, that's what we're thinking of. In a midfoot striker, there may not be a visible impact peak. So the antennas are diminished and there is, there will be an active peak. So that snail shell is still there. Running with a midfoot strike seems to diminish the appearance of this impact peak or causes it to be visibly absent. And that's what they've found in this study or what that's what they're referring to in this study. This observation has led to many to speculate that changing one's foot strike to a midfoot strike would significantly reduce, say that again, will significantly reduce the vertical impact peak and the vertical rate of loading during the ground contact phase and 
compare well if compared to a rear foot strike therefore it is theorized that it will lower the risk of impact related injuries and i should probably say so like when we're looking at this snail when it spikes up that means that you're reacting with the ground so if you have a runner run over a force plate and as soon as it makes contact with the ground there's a huge spike that would resemble you're hitting the ground harder so hopefully we're, we're all on the same page there. In a study by Gruber et al., so this is another study that referring back to that this author has published in the past, they analysed the vertical ground reaction force and it appears that there is an impact in forefoot running, although it may occur with lower magnitude and lower loading rates than if you were a rear, a rear foot heel striker. The question arises then is why the vertical impact is not visibly obvious on these force graphs. And they then lead to a few other researchers. They're referring to Bobbitt et al. and Shorten XL, so two, uh, Shorten et al., referring to different two different types of studies. And these researchers showed that the impact force for rear foot running was determined by two things. So when we're looking at that snail antenna, we're looking at two different types of forces. We're looking at one, the leg colliding with the ground, which they call the passive peak, and two, the motion of the rest of the body, which they'll call the active force. And it seems that for heel strikers, both of these two forces seem to be superimposed at the same time and as the heel contacts the ground, results in the typical um, massive spike, that snail antenna spike that we'll see, because these two forces are um, contributing at the exact same time, and they're superimposed on top of each other. The passive and active forces are also superimposed in the forefoot strike. However, the timing of the deceleration phase may occur much later and thus is hidden by the active force of the rest of the body. So it doesn't decelerate to the same abrupt change that it would as a heel strike. So the forces might still be there, but just hidden in the snail shell because the deceleration isn't as sudden and it kind of all just blends into one, you could call. So in Gruber's analysis, it is clear that the impact forces exist in both the rear foot and the heel strikers, but the impact peak in the forefoot strikers is considerably less and occurs much later in the support period, the support phase. So furthermore, this must ask us the question is that um, if there is a reduction in vertical impact peak, is that a reason to change foot strike pattern? And it's a good question to ask. The influence of the impact peak and loading rates on the risk of injury development has been a source of debate and discussion in biomechanics for many years. And reducing the impact forces and the rate at which they are imposed has been suggested to reduce the risk of running related injuries. It makes sense. Like if you look at someone impacting the ground really hard, thumping the ground and causing a huge spiking ground reaction force, it only makes sense to reduce that force in order to reduce the likelihood of impact-related injuries. 
However, <laughs> the relationship between impact characteristics and injuries has not been established conclusively, says in this study. There are similar number of studies that have found an association with impact um, characteristics and injury. However, there are also other studies that have found no relationship between impact characteristics and injury. So there's these two competing theories and there's, so studies will show one thing, other studies will come out and show a different, a different thing. In fact, there was a study by Ben O'Nig, who has produced a lot of high quality articles, has reported that runners with greater impact peaks and greater loading rates had a significantly fewer running related injuries compared with runners with lower impact peaks and loading rates. So the opposite of what we might theorize. And another study, um, Van Malition, I think it's how you pronounce it, found that runners on firmer surfaces, if you're running on firmer surfaces, it would theoretically increase your impact load on the body and was not associated, and that study found that it wasn't associated with um, an increase in injury or an incidence of injury. So the argument continues um, that reducing the impact forces and loading rates is that the argument that to say that reducing impact peak forces and loading rates is questionable at best in terms of running related injuries. So that's the second section. And if I were to summarize, it seems that um, it appears to be an overall reduction in ground reaction force for um, if you were to do uh, more of a forefoot strike, but it's perhaps not as drastic as what it might show on the graphs. There might be, the forces might still be there, just hidden within the graph because of, um, might just be, the antenna might just be smushed into the, the, the snail shell. And the second one, the second way I could summarize it is, it's still up for debate whether high ground reaction forces actually lead to injuries. And I might add, they haven't actually mentioned in this study at all or talked about the braking forces or the forward reaching running style. And I do think there are many ways to hit a surface. I do think that um, I don't encourage runners if they are really forward reaching when they contact the ground to continue running like that. I do think that if they're, if you contact your heel really far in front of your body, that generates an enormous braking force and unnecessary braking force um, back up at the body and through the ankle and through the knee and through the hip, which... Um, I think is extremely unhelpful, but you can still contact underneath your body and still contact with your heel and produce that same spike. So they don't really mention a lot about that. And perhaps when we're talking about loading rates and there being no real correlation between injuries and um, yeah, how high of a contact or how high of a force you're contacting or harder surfaces, it goes. It kind of comes back to this theory that I often talk about around runners constantly retreating to safety and something that they can tolerate. And let's just say if you're injured and you start developing plantar fasciitis after running for 10Ks, you might want to pull back to running 5Ks because any more than that will flare up your um, plantar fascia. And then after, you know, running 5Ks for several weeks and potentially like 
maybe more supportive shoes and constantly trying to protect that area because you know it's quite vulnerable. All of a sudden, 5Ks irritates that that injury. And so you retreat back. You retreat back to safety a bit more, which would mean maybe uh, more firmer, more supportive shoes, maybe a hocker, and maybe reducing your mileage maybe to 3Ks. And then after a couple of weeks, that structure becomes weaker again and we need to retreat further into, into safety and you just see this pattern of people just um, retreating, making these conscious decisions to protect, protect, protect. And that just lowers the overall capacity of the body. Perhaps this is quite similar. Perhaps if we're retreating and reducing these forces, perhaps we are retreating back to safety and maybe having higher ground reaction forces is just the body adapting to higher ground reaction forces, which makes you a more resilient runner. Who knows? Maybe that's why we're getting a discrepancy in evidence. Um, like I say, I'm not a researcher, but that's these are the things I think about when interpreting certain studies. Okay, diving into the third argument, which we've kind of already touched on um, already, but it is um, changing in running-related injuries. If you were to transition from a heel strike to a forefoot strike, it will reduce your likelihood of injury is the theory. And uh, the article goes on to say, the majority of studies that have investigated injury rates between foot strike patterns have examined the rate of injury in either a habitual heel striker or a habitual forefoot striker. While this is important, it does not give us any insight as to the injury rate when runners change their foot strike, either from rear foot to forefoot or vice versa. Prospectively measuring injury rates in those that have switched their foot strike is the only definitive way to determine if uh, one foot strike is protective against the other. It'd be so nice if we had a study, if we had like a hundred people, we observe them, we observe, like, let's just say we had a hundred heel strikers. We observe them over time. We observe how um, how many injuries they sustain or their likelihood of injury or how many injuries they get over 12 months. And then we keep everything totally consistent and just change their um, their technique to a four-foot strike and then to see what happens. That'd be really nicely done. It's um, a bit more methodical and a bit more um, conclusive than just saying, here's a whole bunch of heel strikers, here's a whole bunch of four-foot strikers, and these are what the injuries rates show. So that's the point they're trying to get across and they continue until recently, the inconclusive and speculative links between impact characteristics and injury running injury risk were the only evidence to support that midfoot strikers may be beneficial, that heel, heel strikers may be beneficial for preventing injury. But to our knowledge, um, they quote a article by Dowd et al, I want to say is how you pronounce it, um, published the first cohort study that suggested that the occurrence of injuries was reduced in those that habitually used a forefoot strike compared to a heel strike. Their study reported a statistically greater incidence of running injuries per 10,000 miles of running using a rear foot strike compared to a forefoot strike when the data was compared or combined across gender, age, um, and the injury severity. So they've combined a whole bunch of those characteristics and found that four-foot strikers have a less 
that they have a less likelihood of developing an injury. However, when the data was separated and categorized into things like sex and injury severity type, the only statistically significant difference was observed between females who were midfoot strikers and females who were um, rear foot strikers. And so, and the um, sample size of those, so the females that were four foot strikers, there was only five of them. And the females that were rear foot strikers, there was 18 of them. And so when you combine all the people that are in this study, it slowly starts to emerge that four foot strike has less injuries. But when you sort of piece, when you pick them apart and compare them against common characteristics, they don't really seem to be statistically significant. So there's not a big enough change to say that, um, to have confidence that this is what it shows. But they say that the only one that did show um, statistically significant change was if you just compare females who are rear foot and then females who are forefoot. And like we said, those sample sizes are quite small. And so the paper goes to goes on to say that although this study was an informative first look at the rate of injury between footfall patterns, it used a very specific sample of runners. So they only used division one cross country college athletes and had a very small sample size, as we said before. So to conclusively assess the risk of injury is um, you, you can't really make a, a confident conclusion. And they say that studies with large sample sizes must be conducted in those who have switched four foot patterns. Unfortunately, these studies haven't been conducted as yet. It goes on to say that there are three relatively large studies. Investigators report the um, injury risk and the samples were 47,000 or just a tick over 47,000 in one study, a 100, a tick over 120,000 runners. And then there was one um, that sampled 341 male US soldiers, army soldiers. And in these results, they found um, all these results were quite similar that they found. And they found that neither study reported statistically significant differences in injury rates between habitual rear foot strikers and habitual forefoot strikers. The types of injuries would be different, but um, the rate of injury doesn't show any statistic, uh, statistically significant difference. And so the question of whether midfoot striking reduces running related injuries compared to rear foot striking cannot be answered completely without introducing other studies. The current claim that runners running using a midfoot strike have fewer running related injuries than those running with a heel strike is speculation at best and so far is unsupported by prospective epidemiological studies. So there we have it. There's a, I guess, a bit of a conclusion. I'll just read a part of it. It just says that research conducted on the efficacy of changing one's foot strike from a heel strike to a forefoot strike suggests that there is no obvious benefit to such a change for the majority of runners. And just to summarize, they had the competing theories of why you should change, one based on uh, the 
improvement in your running economy, which there's studies to um, show otherwise, that will reduce the impact of the impact forces or the ground reaction forces. And it shows that, yes, it does. And yes, the studies do suggest there is a reduction in ground reaction forces. However, there's no link to um, reduction in injuries. And then when it comes to whether to change um, your forefoot, your heel strike to a forefoot strike to reduce the likelihood of injuries, there's competing evidence out there that um, contradicts contradicts one another. So again, very hard to... Um, to conclude and very hard to say that you do need to change from one to the other. And this study does have a bit of a narrative. It has a bit of a agenda behind it to um, just let people know if there are studies out there that suggest that you need to contact with a forefoot. I have a lot of runners that reach out to me and ask for my opinion because a running coach or other runners have said it's the best thing in the world to transition to a four-foot strike. Um, I think the authors of this study have found a similar experience as runners always talking about it. So they've deliberately gone out to, I guess, find contradictory evidence and bring it forth into a paper, which is good to know as well. Um, For me personally, I think there are certain situations where a runner might want to change their foot strike. Like we said, uh, depending if you are a heel striker or a forefoot striker, um, there are different types of injuries that might develop in different types of foot striking patterns. Um, So for example, if someone had recurrent um, patellofemoral pain, knee issues, um, and they were just constantly getting them several times a year and it wasn't going away. And we looked at how they're running and they're contacting um, with a heel, maybe slightly in front of their body. I would definitely encourage either to contact with the heel um, closer to underneath the body or transition to a four-foot strike. Will it uh, improve their economy? Probably not. Will it reduce their likelihood of injury? Probably not, but it would but the evidence will show that it would reduce it would reduce their risk of um, forces going through their knee and their risk of <clears throat> continuing to develop this knee pain might increase the likelihood of Achilles issues or calf issues. But um, that would be a scenario where we're willing to take that risk. And vice versa, if someone's had really recurrent uh, Achilles issues or calf issues, and we wanted to strengthen them up. We'd want to build up their capacity, but then we can also have the option to transition them to more of a, a heel striker because that will take uh, impact forces and um, capacities away from that tissue and perhaps put it more towards the knee and hip. Um, that might be something that we want to explore. So for certain scenarios, that's, in my opinion, I would um, definitely try it out if we've gone through a really nice rehab program, we're still getting these recurrent injuries of the same type, then maybe we might want to change. But um, that's outside the scope of this paper. thought I'd just plug in my little um, thoughts about this topic as we close this episode. Um, so thanks for listening. Hopefully you took a, a, a lot away from that. I know it's a Um, It's a hot topic for a lot of people. And yeah, next time, I think next episode, we'll have our first success story. So looking forward to that and we'll catch you next time. 
Thanks once again for listening. To take full advantage of the knowledge you are building, you need to download the Run Smarter app. This contains all of my free access podcast episodes, written blogs, and eBooks, along with my paid video courses, all neatly housed into categories for you to easily navigate through and find content you're interested in. Also, be sure to check out the show notes for links to the podcast Facebook group and links to learn more about becoming a podcast patron who contribute five Aussie dollars per month to get Inner Circle VIP access, including an invitation into the exclusive patron Facebook group and a complete back catalogue of patron-only podcast episodes, which you can access within the app. Also on the app, you can even find a link that takes you to my online physio clinic, where I assess and treat runners from all over the world, so I can be on standby if you ever need one-on-one physiotherapy assistance. Once again, thank you for listening and becoming a Run Smarter Scholar. And remember, knowledge is power.